welcome to the Mariners cast presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is January 10th, Wednesday. It has been a minute since I've had a Mariners cast. Um, I apologize, been celebrating the uh, University of Michigan uh, football national championship, um, continued, uh, I guess, dental issues, if you want to call it that, about to be done with those in snowy Walla Walla. Again, it is Wednesday, January 10th, and I'm back. Uh, I have not yet addressed the uh, big trades of Robbie Ray for Mitch Hanniger and Anthony DiSclefani with the San Francisco Giants and uh, the Mariners acquiring Luke Rayleigh for Jose Caballero. I'd like to address those today and then speak a little on what I think the Mariners will do <clears throat> as their final couple of moves uh, moving forward towards spring training. Let's get started here. So last week, the Mariners dealt Robbie Ray, their big free agent signing in 2022, who was coming off of a AL Cy Young with the Toronto Blue Jays. Mariners traded Robbie Ray and his uh, larger contract that runs through 2026 to the San Francisco Giants for ex-Mariner Mitch Hanniger and uh, starting right-handed pitcher Anthony DiSclefani. I want to start with Robbie Ray, talk a little bit about what it is the Mariners traded away and what motivated them to do that. So Ray, first thing, most important thing, Robbie Ray is owed $23 million in 2024, $25 million in both 25 and 26. Remember that year, 2026, Robbie Ray is owed $25 million. So when the Mariners signed Robbie Ray, he was coming off an AL Cy Young. He was 13 and seven with the 284 ERA and a 104 whip, 193 in the third innings, 32.1% K rate. You know, awesome season. Uh, no one really saw that coming from Robbie Ray. Obviously, the K rate's great, but what really propped him up in that year and what became very evident the minute you looked at, at his statistics from his Cy Young year was a 90.1 left on base percentage. Now, anything below 70% in my mind is is you're starting to approach some really uh, bad luck. Oftentimes, um, pitchers will make their own luck, right? So a bad pitcher will have a lower left on base percentage because they allow runners uh, runners to score. You have more skilled, more strikeout pitchers running more elevated left on base percentages because they're really able to strike out hitters in the clutch, right? With runners on Robbie Ray has certainly has an element of that, right? There's an element of the ability to strike hitters out when you need it from Robbie Ray, especially in that year in 2021. However, 90.1% is absolutely ludicrous. There is a ton of luck involved with that. And the expectation on the part of the Mariners and really anybody else for that matter should have been, and I assume was that there would be quite a bit of regression to the mean off of that 90.1%. And indeed, in 2022, his left on base percentage was 81.2%, which is still pretty high and good. 
but not nearly as uh, ungodly as the as the ninety point one percent. So twenty two, he goes twelve and twelve, three point seven one ERA, one point one nine WHIP with the Mariners, one hundred eighty nine innings. Is an effective pitcher is not pitching like an ace, right? One one nine WHIP, one hundred ninety innings, mid threes ERA. You're looking at very similar production to a Logan Gilbert, right? Um, so slot Robbie Ray more as a three starter in 22. Everyone's excited about Robbie Ray coming into 23. As everybody knows, <clears throat> Robbie Ray gets hurt immediately, is out for the season, undergoes UCL surgery. Um, and the expectation was that Robbie Ray was going to come back somewhere in the middle of 2024, this upcoming season, and be able to kind of pitch himself back up to health. Uh, his stats, his, his uh, uh, probably would not have been what the Mariners would want from a 20, $25 million pitcher in 2024. But the hope was you would get a, great, a good year in 25 and a good year in 26. Now, we all know that Mariners payroll is being drastically um well, talked about a ton. I wouldn't say drastically reduced, but it is either it's sticking pretty close to where it was in 2023. And a decent percentage of that was going to Robbie Ray around $25 million. You knew he wasn't going to replicate his 2021 AL Cy Young year. Um, so much of that was, was the left on base percentage. Again, he struck out a ton of hitters, but he wasn't coming back with the, with the 284 ERA or 104 whip. So if you are getting him back to what he was, you are getting back a pretty much a number three starter with a ton of strikeouts. So what the Mariners do kind of out of the blue, the Mariners dealt Robbie Ray to the San Francisco Giants, another very good pitching organization, an organization looking to improve uh, their pitching. And they traded him for basically a neutral salary exchange with Mitch Hanniger and Anthony Disclafani, neutral in 2024. The Giants send $6 million plus those two players to cover the salaries in 24. Mitch Hanniger, as most everyone knows, uh, 33 years old, signed a three-year contract with the Giants heading into 23, um, has an opt-out in 24, player option in 25, so for all intents and purposes, this is a three-year contract running through 25. Um, 25 is a $15.5 million base, $2 million signing bonus that he got awarded already. It hits the payroll as $17.5 million is my understanding. Um, Mitch Hanniger is not going to be the Mitch Hanniger that everybody loved in 2021. For me, that player was a bit overrated. And yet, 253, 318, 803 was his OPS. It was more of an accumulative year where he was, got his counting stats from being healthy, 691 plate appearances, 39 home runs, 110 runs, 100 RBIs, 120 WRC plus. He was only worth 2.5 Fangraphs war, but obviously had a very good counting stats season. In 22, he gets placed on a 60-day uh, injured list with an ankle injury in June is reactivated in August, ends up with the 737 OPS, 11 homers and 247 plate appearances, 113 WRC plus. 
year one in San Francisco is a huge disappointment hit by pitch by Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals in June fractured right forearm doesn't come back until late August 631 OPS six home runs so they get rid of Hanniger, don't like him want him out of here right Hanniger's back to the Mariners Mitch Hanniger on his career 275 average versus lefties 839 OPS on his career versus righties, 249 average, 778 OPS. Still a very, you know, for his career, a, a an above average hitter. Prototypical right fielder, big arm, uh, not a lot of range. His outs above average in 23 was minus three. It was a plus two in 22 and a minus seven, fifth percentile in 21. So this is a player who's on the wrong side of 30. Um, has a contract through 25 that is not a great contract for what you're going to get back for from him. But I do think, so here are my expectations for Mitch Hanniger. I'm not sure where other people land. I don't know if fans are expecting the Mitch Hanniger of 2021. Um, I'm going to guess that what the Mariners expect from him is to hit against some right-hand pitching, Maybe he sits against really tough right-handed pitchers and to hit against lefties. I foresee Hanniger, if he's healthy, getting, say, 400, 450 at-bats. I think that Hanniger is an incredible fit with hitters like or corner outfielders like Dominic Canzone, Cade Marlowe, Zach Deloach, Taylor Trammell, right? He's a very, very good fit with those left-handed hitters. Because those left-handed hitters can take some at-bats against tough righties, and Hanniger will basically take the rest. If Hanniger gets hurt, I don't think it's going to kill the Mariners because I don't think he's going to be a huge contributor. But I understand the place that he's taking on this roster. Now, you will say that's a huge salary to pay a 400 plate appearance type of guy, and I agree. But this was to get off of Robbie Ray's contract as much as it was to acquire Mitch Hanniger. I also think there's an element of bringing back a fan favorite to try to win back some fans after all of the bad press that the Mariners front office and ownership has gotten in this off season. So it's a bit of an olive, olive branch. It's a player that all, a lot of fans loved. I think it's a player who was very overrated during his Mariners days, but the way that he fits with this roster where I expect to see Marlowe, I expect to see some combination of like Marlowe, Deloach, Trammell, barring the signing of uh, Canzone, barring the signing of a left-handed corner outfielder, which I don't think is in the cards for the Mariners. So I'm I'm kind of meh with the acquisition of Mitch Hanniger, but I understand why, and I'll talk about that in a minute. The Mariners also acquire Anthony DiSclefani, who is almost 34 years old, right-handed starting pitcher, as I said. In 22, he signed a three-year, $36 million contract, $12 million annual uh, average annual value, uh, in 21, DiSclefani went 13 and seven with the 317 ERA in 167 innings. He's not going to strike out a ton of batters. He doesn't walk a ton of batters either. Um, he's very much your kind of sinker slider, or at least historically has been sinker slider with the changeup. Um, it's going to get, you know, pitch to contact a bit, uh, is a good fit in the Mariners ballpark, is a good fit with a good defense behind him. Um, if he is healthy, I think Di Sclafani, when called upon to to start, is a very good backup plan to give you five, six innings. Um, 
And it gives you time to understand what you want to do with Hancock. Do you want to trade him? Do you think he's ready? Uh, he also is a good hedge against Brian Wu's innings in case you want to kind of dial back his innings, at least in the beginning of the year. So I really like uh, the acquisition of Di Sclafani. I think he's great back of the rotation insurance. Um, and it was smart, very savvy move from uh, from Jerry Depoto in the Mariners front office to acquire Di Sclafani. And when you look at this trade uh, in totality, Robbie Ray wasn't giving you anything of use in 2024. If anything, he's going to give you some rough innings trying to come back from his UCL surgery. 25 and 26, you were getting probably fourth starter type of, you know, given age, uh, kind of the decrease in ability because of his age, because he'd be 33 and 34 years old, and a player coming off of a big surgery. I think a number four starter, kind of major league average number four starter, maybe a number three is at best, is what you were getting from Ray for $25 million. When you already have five guys in your rotation in Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, Miller, Wu, who are locked in, right, at a much cheaper cost. So the dealing of Ray, while I didn't think it was possible, the Mariners showed that it was. Again, Hanniger, very expensive, 450, 400 plate appearance type of right-handed corner outfielder. Good for the fans. Uh, will hit lefties pretty well, provided health. Um, I don't think it makes the Mariners all that better necessarily. I think you could find that production for a lot cheaper, but I understand the acquisition. Di Sclafani gives you uh, that back end of the rotation insurance, a long man, somebody to soak up innings in case somebody gets lit up in the first few innings. I like that as well. But here's the big thing. This is why the Mariners did it. Salaries are neutral in 2024 because of the $6 million that the Giants sent to the Mariners. Mariners in 2025, according to my calculations, save $9.5 million because De Sclafani is off the books. De Sclafani off the books million going to Hanager in 25, $25 million going to Robbie Ray. Mariners save $10 million. And as we know, if their cap is somewhere around $140 million, $145 million, the self-imposed cap from ownership, every dollar is going to count in terms of putting this team together. But the big boost, the big win is in 2026 when Mitch Hanager's contract is up. Robbie Ray is still owed $25 million. So in 2026, I know fans don't care about 26. I get it. I do. Long-term, I do. The Mariners are saving $25 million. $25 million. So that is really what this trade is about. You can talk about Hanniger. Hanniger is going to play some kind of role. I get it. You can talk about Di Sclafani. He's going to play some kind of role. I appreciate both of those. But really, this is, in my opinion, this is very much about the $25 million saved in 2025. Guess who's arbitration eligible in 2025? George Kirby. George Kirby's first arbitration eligible year is 2025, and he's not going to be cheap. Logan Gilbert, first arbitration eligible year, 2024. So that's year two of being ARB eligible for Logan Gilbert. The Mariners need to plan for those salaries as well. To me, this was effing brilliant. I appreciate the trade. 
I think Di Scalfani has been an underrated right-handed starting pitcher for a long time. Mitch Haniger, I get the olive branch to the fans. I don't love him as a player. I never did, but I do think he plays a role. The Mariners certainly needed a right-handed hitting, lefty mashing corner outfielder to pair with their young left-handed hitters. Makes sense. Okay, same day. Right after this trade comes down, we hear that the Mariners are dealing Jose Caballero, utility infielder for the Mariners last season, fun player. I've talked about him a lot. Uh, was worth 2.2 Fangraphs War, which is very interesting. Um, 96 WRC plus. He only hit 221, but he did steal 26 bags and 280 plate appearances, 10% walk rate. Hits the ball in the air a ton, pulls the ball, has a very power hitter profile without the power. Um, but could play second, played a little bit of short, played some third, can play corner outfield in a pinch, certainly could play second base and hits lefties much, much better than righties. That's who Jose Caballero is, 27 years old. Um, you know, short side platoon, fast, uh, competitive. I talked a ton about Caballero on the Mariners cast. I like him. I also think he's incredibly replaceable. Mariners trade Caballero to the Rays for Luke Rayleigh. Who is Luke Rayleigh? I know a lot of folks were probably asking themselves that when the Mariners traded for him. Luke Rayleigh, last season with the Rays, 29 years old, 6'4", 235, left-handed hitter, first base, corner outfield type of guy, played some center field last season. Don't think he's a center fielder with the Mariners, obviously. Um, Rayleigh was a seventh-round pick of the Dodgers in 16. He goes to the Minnesota organization. He goes back to the Dodgers organization, ends up with the Tampa Bay Rays. Of course, Devil or Rays voodoo magic. Pixie dust sprinkled on Luke Rayleigh last season, 249, 333, 490 slug, 823 OPS, 406 plate appearances, 19 homers, 14 steals, a 130 WRC plus, and he was worth 2.6 Fangraphs war. He was a negative defensive um, Fangraphs war last season. So that 2.6 is coming exclusively from his offense. 330 BABIP, that is a little bit high. You would expect that to come down slightly, but he is fast. And so being fast allows you to beat out uh, more ground balls or more base hits, um, which increases the BABIP at times. 31.5% K rate, 18.7% swinging strike rate. Not Does not fit the profile of what the Mariners said they were looking for at all. Those numbers are Taylor Scar Hernandez types of uh, K rates and swinging strike rates. And yet the amount of production that Tampa got from Luke Rayleigh in 406 plate appearances was phenomenal. 91.1 miles an hour average exit, 114.3 max exit. Those are both very good. 17.3 degree launch angle. It's fly balls, 84th percentile, percentile barrel rate, 74th percentile hard hit rate. Hits the ball hard. Also, 42% ground ball, 44.7% fly ball with a 46.1% pull rate overall. So he is a fly ball pull hitter with a ton of power. Last season against right-handed pitching, 247, 337, 497, 834 OPS. Now, 
He had a 155 WRC plus in the first half, a 93 WRC plus in the second. That is the one thing in his profile outside of the swing and miss that concerns me. Did the major league, did major league pitchers figure out Luke Rayleigh last season? I don't think that's the case. I don't know what caused the second half dive. What I do know is over the course of the season, it's a 130 WRC plus. He swings at balls in the zone more often than major league average. He makes less contact in zone than major league average, but that is not in my mind for someone who swings as hard as he does. That is not a concern. You see a lot of uh, below league average zone contact from some very, very good hitters names like Aaron judge Shohei Otani. They've historically been below the zone contact league average. He chases or chase contact is is 22.5% lower than league average. You don't want Luke Rayleigh chasing after anything outside of the zone. And his whiff percentage was 38.9%. League average, 24.8%. He is in the bottom percentile in whiff percentage. So swing and miss from Luke Rayleigh. Lots of home runs, lots of pull, fly balls. Interestingly, though, at 6'4", 235, he was in the 89th percentile for arm strength, and he's in the 87th percentile for sprint speed. So you're talking about a very good athlete um, who I think would be a superstar without this level of swing and miss. That said, I see him getting 450 plate appearances for the Mariners. I think he's a strong side platoon. I don't know that he's much more than a strong side platoon. He w- was decent against lefties last season, hit 268. But I think what he is in my mind is, you know, plays exclusively against righties. He might get a few at-bats against lefties, um, but is going to be very productive. What I have in my notes is that he's a fascinating player. He played all three outfield positions as well as first base last season. He has a huge swing and huge swing and miss numbers, but the barrel and hard hit are in the top quarter of the league. He hits equally against all pitches. Um, But I think this is a great gamble for the Mariners. I, I think that, you know, I do think he's a talented player and to give up Caballero who, you know, you, one could make the case Sam Haggerty could replace Caballero. Ryan Bliss could replace Caballero. I think Caballero was the definition of fungible. And to get a hitter with the potential of Luke Rayleigh who did so much last season in 400 plate appearances, I think was an incredible deal. Now you always worry about dealing with Tampa because you always wonder, well, what are they thinking? Right. They're always kind of, zagging when everyone is zigging um but i like it i like Rayleigh. so now you have set when you look at this offensive roster you've got cal raleigh and probably some combination of blake hunt or sebi zavala at catcher ty france penciled in at first i have josh rojas at second backed up by some form of dylan moore or sam haggerty luis Urias at third, you know, Urias and Rojas may flip-flop. I don't know what the Mariners prefer, um, but I think Urias plays every day as of right now. JP obviously is short. You've got Rayleigh and Canzone as left-handed hitting corner outfielders. Mitch Hanniger is going to be in the corner as well, so that's three. You might add a Haggerty or a Moore. That makes four. You've got two lefties, two righties. 
I also expect both Rayleigh and may potentially Canzone to take some reps at first. And that leaves Julio and Mitch Garver. That you've got your four bench players as of right now would be Zavala, Moore, uh, let's say Canzone, and then one other guy. Could be Haggerty, could be Marlowe, could be Deloach, could be Trammell. That lineup versus right-handers right now, this is what I have. Um, I know that everyone has Hanniger penciled in as the starting right fielder. I think his with his salary, that's probably going to be the case. What would I like to see? JP, Julio, Cal, or Mitch Garver, flip-flop, 3-4, Rayleigh in the five, France, Canzone, Urias, Rojas. That is not a bad lineup versus right-handers. Versus lefties, something like JP, Julio, Garver, Hanniger, France, Dylan Moore, Urias, Zavala, Haggerty, something like that, right? But is that a championship lineup? Uh, I think it's a 90-win lineup when you couple it with the pitching. Is it what I expect to see the Mariners come out of uh, the pre or the uh, offseason with? No, I think the Mariners have one, at least one more move in them. They have one more expensive move at about 15 million, or they have a couple of moves. My expectation is they go after Soler. My expectation is that they're trying to trade for Jorge Polanco right now. Um, the players that I've been beating the drum for for a long time. I think you put Polanco in this lineup and one of, you know, you play Urias and Rojas kind of um, not in a platoon role. I think Urias plays equally to Rojas, even though Rojas is strong, the, the strong side of the platoon. But you put Polanco at second and Urias and Rojas take care of third. Polanco has injury, you know, history. One of those guys can take over if he gets hurt. But I think you put Polanco in this lineup. And now you got like basically players like Hanniger and Canzone hitting down seven, eight, France, seven, eight, six, seven, eight. That's a deep lineup. You may only have one superstar in Julio, but that is a deep, deep lineup. That to me is championship material. I think you bring in Polanco, it makes everybody better. You're not sacrificing corner defense like you would if you signed Solaire. You put Polanco in this lineup, you play him at second, I think he adds two, three wins. Now you're talking about what I would see as like a 93-win team. That's competing for the AL West. That is potentially winning the AL West. You also have Di Scofani as, you know, insurance for that rotation. You still have Hancock as insurance for that rotation. I just, you have money to pay for the arbitration years of Gilbert and Kirby down the road. It's... I just, I really think that the Mariners are that one move away. And I hope it is Jorge Polanco. There's not a lot of moves out there that I would love to see. That is one of them. Like I said, Solaire would be great, but with the acquisition of Garver, Solaire makes the team's defense pretty poor in one of the corners. Polanco does not hurt this defense. I do think Polanco and Crawford up the middle isn't great. I don't think you have a ton of range between those two. But the bat's real. And I think Mariners fans would love him. So 
that's my recap of those two trades. I'm sorry that it was a little bit late. Like I said, I had a lot going on, including this uh, University of Michigan College Football Championship. Um, that was super fun. Uh, you can still catch me on the Seahawks 360 with Candace Higgins. It's been a lot of fun. We did our kind of season recap a couple of days ago. You can catch that on uh, Ethos Seahawks. And I've got a lot of fantasy baseball stuff coming with a couple of my buddies. Um, that'll be posted on my personal Twitter page as well. So again, with that, I love these two trades. I know there are people who are panning them. There are people who think it's just, you know, incremental improvement, but I think that's what you have to do when you're not exceeding $145 million with your payroll. You have to figure out ways to improve incrementally and incremental improvement actually puts the Mariners in the playoffs. You're not going from 60 to 62 wins. You're going from 88 to 90, 88 to 91, 88 to 93, which is what the Mariners need. So again, I love the acquisitions. I think it was smart. I think it'll prove out to be even smarter once you see Hanager's contract come off the books, um, I'm excited as always. Can't wait to see what the next move is. I'll be back with you once that next move hits. Thank you all for listening to today's Mariners cast. Once again, we are presented to you by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at T Tino Junior 20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners. E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R. I-N-E-R-S. Stay warm. Get out the snow. Go skiing if you do that kind of thing. But enjoy. Take care, y'all. Peace.